0: I'm drinking coffee, man, this is great. What kind of coffee is this? Do you know, Charlie? What kind of coffee do they have over there? I know? never drink
1: coffee, so I... Oh, you don't. Really we get it in... Oh, it's it's Charlie. It's a cheap coffee we get in bulk.
0: You know, even if it's a cheap coffee you get in
1: bulk, I'm not that sensitive to the quality of the coffee, I'm just glad it's coffee. Well, then if you know this about yourself, don't say, oh, that's good coffee. Dan, <laughs> it is to me. And to you, there is no bad there coffee is, well, because that is bad coffee and you think it's good. I do. Yeah. Hi Stan. Hey Marshall. Welcome back to the Draftsman Podcast. I am Stan Prokopenko. I am Marshall Vandruff. <laughs> and I teach art and I do art. And I teach art and I... <laughs> do a little art too. Yeah, not much. Stan, what are we going to talk about in this one? Okay, we're going to continue our series on Art School's project. We're, we're showing you guys how you could recreate art school if you're not going to go and how to make the best of art school if you're gonna go. Last time, we talked about the pros and the cons of going to art school and we also talked about recreating the knowledge portion of going to art school. How can you get the knowledge without going to school? this time, we're going to talk about structure, how to get the structure that school provides you without going to school. Yes.
0: One of the things that was important about art school, going to art school, one of the pros was that there is a, it's a family ritual, but the family ritual of taking you from out of high school to this place where you're not going to be with the family, there are many other rituals in going to art school and that is the beginning of every class, snooping out each teacher, getting the gossip of it, going to the uh, having formal homework times, lab times, those kinds of things. The value of rituals is that you say we have decided that at this time we will do this, this and this which will lead to this learning, this skill. And I went to community college for almost eight years. What I know? Wait, wait, wait! It really? It was, I thought you were
1: a dropout. I didn't know that you were well, just really slow. I, I
0: graduated from from community <laughs> college, uh, but I I didn't go on. Uh, I just kept taking classes because the
1: classes were so great. <laughs> that sounds so much like you. Why am I surprised? You're, of course, you went to college for eight years yeah. and didn't finish. <laughs> I went to the the two year
0: college for eight years because they had great cal- classes. Okay, now. That's... Th-
1: I like that about you.
0: Okay. There came a point about that sixth year that I started thinking, you know, there's a lot of time spent in driving here and doing things that aren't really that efficient and I'm starting to get a few jobs and I've got ideas for my own stuff and I think I'll just not take classes anymore because I'm not getting that much new knowledge so I quit. And what I found out is that my productivity plummeted because previous to quitting, When somebody said, hey, you want to go to a movie? Hey, let's get together for lunch. Hey, we're going to do this. I would always say, I can't do it. Can't do it. Got a deadline. Got a project I'm working on. As soon as I quit, it was so easy to say yes to things and they were good things. But when I started saying yes to them, I was dropping the energy that I was putting into my projects. So, I figured I can do it without the structure. And I found out that I couldn't do it as well as I thought I
1: could. Did you ever get it back? Did you ever recreate it for yourself successfully after that? You bet I did. How? What happened? Uh, How long
0: did it take you? Not even two years. Okay. But it happened because when I stopped going to school, I had to put more energy into getting jobs and when I started to get more jobs, the client creates the structure. As soon as we've got a deadline, this is due in on Monday, this is due in one week, okay. everything else goes aside and you go into emergency mode. But I was pretty ready for it yeah. and so, I substituted school structure where I was paying them 20 bucks per class for those classes to professional structure where I was getting paid to meet these deadlines and so, it yeah. just wasn't that big an issue with me. Okay.
1: Well, neither one of those helps our listeners, I know, who are not going to go to school mm-hmm. and need to create their structure now okay. when they're not ready for a job yet.
0: Let's start with this. You've got some ideas about a, you. By the way, yeah. I must say in, in beginning this, you have created your own structure as well as anybody that I've ever observed. I noticed that about you when I first met you, and I've seen it all the way through. You don't waste time. Tell us what you would do to create structure for a person who's not going to go to art school.
1: I think the biggest thing that I think it's kind of obvious but it it means a lot is discipline. That's really hard and if you don't have it, you're not just going to get it by brute force of just like, that's it, I'm disciplined now, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna make those good decisions. It's not gonna happen, there's no way. Um, I was listening to a a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you heard of one of those? <laughs> uh Hidden Brain. Have you heard of that one? No. Tell me. It's a good one. I've only heard a few uh, episodes but they've all been pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was one, the episode was called Creatures of Habit uh, and they had a psychologist on there, Wendy Wood. She approached it in a way I, I've never really heard anyone talk about. Maybe just because I haven't really read up too much about discipline. But I thought it, it kind of brought these, a lot of things together for me and I, I started analyzing some of the habits that I made recently and it all was very true what she said. So she, she talks about how you can't just decide that you're gonna do some things and, and lay out a plan and say, I'm gonna develop this habit. You have to realize that every single day you're going to have to make a very difficult decision of doing that thing that's hard or doing that thing that's really easy and satisfying. And initially, when you have that motivation, when you make that goal for yourself, you'll make that hard decision, right, because you still got that drive. It's, it's like the same thing as New Year's resolutions. That first month, you do go to the gym but then after that first month, that initial spark you had, that motivation is gone. And you no longer have that power to make that difficult decision anymore. You start going back to the easy thing. So you lose the the drive or the power or the will or whatever it is. What, the will. That's a, that's the word. Okay. You you lose it, and you are not able to set that habit. Okay. And so you have to approach it by removing friction. Don't make it a difficult decision every time. It can't be something that you have to have a strong drive to do. You have to make it easy for yourself to form this habit. So you flow right into it. Yes. So, okay. it's, you know, you have to provide yourself with rewards and not rewards like at the end of the week or at the end of the month, be like, oh, I did it, now I get to, you know, have a cake or something. It's, you have to be rewarded right away, every time. Right? is that
0: we associate them with pleasure.
1: Yeah. It's something yeah. that we get instant gratification from right? and we just keep repeating it and we seek to do that thing and then it becomes a habit and then we can't undo it. Mm-hmm. Now, turn it around and do that to something that's good for you and something that you want. A lot of this stuff sounds like, well, yeah, okay, that's that sounds great. Now, how do I do that? Walking to work was a habit that happened and I was able to make it into a habit that I stopped thinking about. And it's a three-mile walk, it takes me an hour every morning. It's something that if I had to force myself to do, I would eventually I would just stop. It's like, Jesus Christ, it's 85 degrees outside. I got to walk three miles. I'd rather just drive for six minutes. During my walks, I would listen to something I enjoy. I would stop by a coffee shop. I would get a, a, a coffee that I enjoy and, and listen to something. So, it became entertainment to me. It became like I'm starting my day with a break from work. I don't jump right into, wait, hey, what do I got to do? What, what is all this stress going on and that needs to be done? I begin it with just like relaxing. You look forward to it. Yes. Yeah. I wake up and I'm like, alright. Yeah, it was very easy but for the first several months, I was still thinking about it like, oh yeah, that's right, I'm walking to work. But then I noticed like after six months or so, I didn't even think about it. It wasn't even an option to not walk, it was just like this is what I do. It's, it's become a habit and it took like six months. But well, here's what I'm getting though,
0: is that if it's difficult to do this repeatedly, you will give up because you've got other things on your mind. Yeah. So, you're, some people would say you're creating an infrastructure to where that's just the way you're going to do it. That's the way it, you fall into it. You've taken some time yeah. to arrange it so that it's easier to do
1: yeah. that. You have to be creative with it. And we're artists. Mm-hmm. Be creative with it. Figure out how to make it enjoyable and how to remove friction. So, a habit I'm trying to form right now Mm -hmm. um, and I'm doing pretty well so far Mm -hmm. is um, I'm replacing walking to work with going to the gym. Okay. I identified in the beginning that the friction was that I would have to drive 15 minutes to a gym that's not close to me. Mm -hmm. I don't want that. It's oh, it's not in the direction of work, and also just going to the gym—it's yeah, painful. Yeah. So th- those are friction points. There might have been another. No,
0: one. no. So you were 15 minutes out of the way. So what is? What did you do to with the 15 minutes out of the way friction?
1: Well, I realized <laughs> there's a YMCA uh, a two minute walk from my office. I go there every every morning now instead of my. Walk. I now drive to work for six minutes. I walk to Starbucks. Or the the sandwich shop. Get a salmon bagel and a coffee.
0: That's a reward. I'll
1: eat it on my walk to the YMCA. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) which is only a few minutes. Okay, and then I go. I exercise and I take a shower. And while I exercise, I listen to podcasts. And Mm -hmm. I get to take the shower for me makes it worth it because I get to go into work really fresh. Yes. Whereas when I walked here every morning. I would be sweaty and like, I would need a shower but I, I, you know, I don't have a shower here. But the fact that now I get to take a shower after my workout and come home, or not come home, go to work, it makes it worth it, it makes it more enjoyable for me.
0: You actually take the time to figure, how am I going to arrange it so that it's easier and more beneficial, more positive experience yeah. to do these things and that that is not going to happen by accident or it can not happen by accident but it, the it thing can. is you don't, you don't count on it happening Habits by
1: accident. form by accident all the time. You are going to design your rituals. Yes. So, you could do the same thing if you're, if you're trying to form your own curriculum to study. Don't make it difficult. Don't say, don't create this, this curriculum that's just going to be really difficult every day to get through because eventually you're going you're gonna to wear yourself out and just start playing video games.
0: Okay. Now, the thing about playing video games, what if a person says, okay, video games, I've gotten, I'm done with the video games but I'm watching proco videos and I'm watching demos from people who are showing me how to do stuff and I watch these things and I watch these things. What about that? Is that structure?
1: If that works for them, mm-hmm. sure. It, it kind of brings up another problem that if, if you're binge watching in, instructional videos, it, it's not that useful. So part of the benefit of going to art school, mm-hmm. the structure it provides gives you time to absorb content. So you you go to class, the teacher presents a concept that you can absorb in a day or in, in an hour or something and then they usually give you an assignment and you have to go home and you have to keep working on whatever that is. Mm-hmm. If you watch a video, that's equivalent to that demonstration, that lecture that you just watched mm-hmm. but then imagine if instead of going home and doing an assignment, you just walked right into the next class mm-hmm. and you did that five five in a row, do you really remember that first lecture? Right. Not really, you've just erased the first few videos out of your memory by flooding it with other knowledge or other information. And so, the right way to do it is to not binge watch lessons. Instead, you watch one lesson and you decide first like, do I want to continue this? Do the assignment presented in this lesson if there is one? Do I want to practice the stuff that I just learned from this or do I not? If it's not, then yeah, go on to the next lesson. But if it is something that was useful and you just learned something, make sure it, it absorbs you do that by actually doing the stuff that you learned.
0: This is uh nutrition and exercise in a way. You don't just take in nutrition over and over and over. At some point you've got to work it out if it's going to have any exercise, benefit. Yeah. Every bit from binge watching this stuff and even recite it back, it's not doing any benefit.
1: And not always. If you're like you me, sp- you're just you're not actually going to be able to recite all. Of it. You're going to just forget all of it.
0: Okay. Some people have a mind like a steel yeah. trap, but some I've had students who remember everything. I had a guy who had a gift with this. Yeah. In fact, he was the kind that was, uh, he had an opportunity to go on to a, uh, a game show or something for trivia because he just had a mind that he remembered everything. Yeah. He, he did not have skills. He was yep. one of the least skillful students
1: I've had. Either way, it's bad because just knowing the information doesn't matter if you can't execute it treat it as art school. Treat what as art school? The lessons. The lessons you watch online, treat it as if you are in art school and that each lesson is a lecture by an instructor. They give you homework, you go and you do it. Mm -hmm. And then ideally, if I was going to art school, I wouldn't just do the assignment, I would do more. Mm -hmm. I would figure out a way how to make this lesson fun for me. How do I want to apply this information? Is there Something I'm excited to draw or paint at the moment, and I could take that knowledge and just apply it to that, yeah. and practice it in a with a project I want to do. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. That's the best kind of student too, the kind who embraces the assignments, especially since the assignments tend to be way more open uh, for creative possibilities than most client projects to say, look, these are dream assignments, the project is this, I can do what I want to do on this or how can I find a way to dovetail it with what I want to do anyway. If you've got instructional videos on the internet, there's no accountability but you create your own accountability by
1: saying, I'm going to do these assignments instead of just rocketing through all of the lectures. And what you were saying about some, you know, assignments are more open, let you do stuff, even if they're not find a way to make it your own anyway. Yeah. For example, my anatomy assignments are not really open, it's like do this specific thing, do exactly mm. that. Like mm. here's some photos of a, an arm that I think is a good reference to study these specific muscles. Mm-hmm. Now do a tracing of it or do a quick sketch where you find the gesture and then put the simple forms. I'm telling them like literally what to do. Mm-hmm. They could do that but then they can use what they learned about the arm to draw their favorite superhero Superhero or or what I mean that's the obvious choice but you know they could figure out other things they could use anatomy for and they need to be excited about that project don't just try to think about how can I apply anatomy it's more of how am I excited to apply anatomy how do I want to apply anatomy why am I doing this in the first place what's my dream job now do it as a student do your dream job because when you actually get those jobs they you're, you're not gonna have that freedom To do whatever you want. So, do them as a student.
0: I'm looking for a quote. This is Alan Moore talking about which jobs he takes and doesn't take, but it could apply to assignments. From the very beginning, I had a couple of simple precepts. I decided that I was never going to write a story that I personally wasn't interested in. I kind of developed a method by which I would take even on promising material. Make it into something that was fun for me that was either amusing or intellectual stimul Intellectually stimulating or you know that my use of language or storytelling or something like that some element in the story That would provide me with sufficient motivation to do a good job on it The thing is he is Looking for a way to make it an excuse
1: for him to do something he wants to do anyway And he'll do a better job because he's interested in it
0: yeah, he says later in that interview that I, I think you can pick up when, it's a, uh, when the writer has slogged through this, that they don't care right. about it. You just pick that up and there's something about when you're enthusiastic about it. It brings an energy into it that brings out your best.
1: Well, you're driven to make more difficult decisions. If you just want to get through it and you see something wrong with the piece, you're gonna be like, eh, it's good enough. Yeah. But if you really are driven to make it the best possible, you will put in extra time and energy to redo things to do that extra research.
0: Well, this is exciting and motivating. You're reminding me why I loved being a student is that every assignment, every project that allowed me any potential for creativity, I was feel like, I'm eager to do this. But again, it's that internal motivation of a person has to take it seriously and treat the internet courses as if they were art school. You let them slide. You do the internet courses and you don't do the assignments and there's no real punishment except the long-term punishment that you don't get
1: your skills. <laughs> That's a pretty big one. Yeah. It's it's art school but it's their own fun art school. That is a great attitude. <laughs> I vote for it. Yeah, boy. Um, and it's not just about doing the assignments and doing your own projects. It's good to also participate in the discussions. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that'll watch lessons online, watch videos online but they'll never comment or ask questions they stay very private and i don't think that's good i think you should participate
0: i think so too but i want to want to throw one thing in mm-hmm. i i can gosh they're vivid memories of students who never participated in the class but who really did good work because they were just right. the type that i'm going to hold this in and then when they present their work it's it's remarkable there are personalities that remove themselves to work on their laboratory experiments and then show them so...
1: And then show them. And then show them, right. Some don't ever show it online. Yeah. Because you know, the first 10 years is gonna suck. You need to be open to criticism. If you're just starting out, you know you messed up. You're starting a course, you do the assignment. Cut, yeah, it's it that's sucks. the problem. You know it sucks as well, and so you don't want to expose no, it. No, like, I don't want to, don't want to go time, to the doctor are, I'm and I'm see not good what good this enough looks yet. like. Right, but you need to.
0: There are two kinds of classes and this isn't a pure division, but sometimes in my teaching it is a pure division. This is a process class. You will come out with a set of skills. It may be that you're doing form analysis after form analysis after form analysis, but you don't really get a product, you just get a, you've sharpened your brain. There are also product classes and illustration classes, usually a product class. It means that when I come to the midterm and the finished the final of this class, I've got finished illustrations, I've got a dummy for a children's books and three finished pieces and your family will be impressed with it. Yeah. Product classes, uh, many people are attracted to them because they will have something they can hold in their hand. Process classes seem intangible, but they are real benefits and rewards
1: and uh... Give me an example of a process class.
0: Process, when I teach animal drawing, uh, when I've taught it, a lot of it is you must understand the anatomy and memorize the bones and then do side views and then turn them into three quarter views and okay. then learn to put wrap cr- cross contours around them. But the cross contours might not impress a lot of people, but right. it's a ton of stuff going on in your head to train you. And so, I learned in that class to include one project where you do just three finished images at the end by the end of the semester in any style you want. They can be like Dr. Seuss, they can be like Beatrix Potter, they can be like Durer. But you get a product at the end that says, all right, at least I've got a finished piece that I can show off to my family. Process classes are mainly uh, practicing theory, getting it into your habits.
1: Yeah, but when I say practice what you learn, I don't n- just mean practicing theory. I also mean apply what you learn in real-world things to a project. Do an illustration, a yeah, project. To a product. So it's best to have both.
0: Yes. The one is the hidden work of the rehearsals and the calisthenics. Yeah. The other is the performance that I did that I can show people.
1: Yeah, they're both beneficial, but one of those might be too much friction. How do you mean? Like, if you're really heavy, you create your curriculum really heavy on doing those process assignments that aren't fun for you, you might eventually just stop. Mm -hmm. And that's worse than focusing mostly on project stuff. I think you need to identify that I'm really starting to not enjoy this, I need to go heavier on the fun stuff. Yeah.
0: Now, I've seen the opposite, Uh, I've seen uh, this thing happen too, that a person only takes classes where they do finished work and they do finished work and they do finished work and their finished work never grows.
1: That becomes motivation to do the process. To do the process. To me, that's what always became the motivation. I would have a project, Mm -hmm. it would reveal weaknesses and I'd be like, damn, I really, I'm trying to draw this forearm and I don't know what goes there and so, I would pause, take out a book. Try to do a little diagram of a form and be like, okay, now how do I apply this to my illustration?
0: Yeah, that's great. That way you've got the balance between each one. Yeah. And I think that if, if you're beginning and you're wondering, how do I create structure for myself? That is one good paradigm of the balance of structure that you do your exercises, but you also have something that you can show off. And say, hey, look, I did this. This makes it to the refrigerator. The exercises don't make it. One of the things you've written here is do more research from other resources. I did not know what you meant by that.
1: I mean that when you take a class from someone or you read a, you know, a chapter in a book about a specific topic or you watch a video about something, usually that one teacher has a small view on that topic. There's more to it. And so, you need to look for other things. Like if you're interested in studying the forearm, just keep going with that. gesture, because you've you've mentioned gesture. Gesture. And you're watching my figure drawing class, you watch my gesture lesson, don't Mm -hmm. stop there. Go watch Vilpo's take on gesture. Mm -hmm. Go watch Steve Houston's take on gesture. Read some books on it. Mm -hmm. Look at some Disney animators and how did they apply it? Yeah. I mean, don't just stop and just kind of do the lessons. Explore. Mm -hmm. See what you find. Seek out other viewpoints.
0: And this is a mindset. Again, this is one of those things where uh, I don't know what gesture is. Okay, Stan's kind of explained it. To look at what other people and here's one of the harder things. I don't think that in Richard Williams' animator survival kit, I don't think he ever used the word gesture. He might have used synonyms though, right? That's it. He used Flow synonyms. Or something. And when he talks that one on weight and the ones where he talks about drag and follow through. All of that stuff is some of the most valuable stuff for gesture that nobody ever really explained to me, Nicolaides kind of did, but not anything like what Richard Richard Williams is going to take you through how you anticipate how things move. It's some of the best teaching on gesture and he never uses the word. You may not know where to get those things, but that's something you would find out if you really are pursuing it.
1: Yeah, and it might not be something you find out the first time you learn about gesture but maybe eventually because gesture is one of the fundamental concepts you're going to continuously be learning about. So eventually you'll run into it. But it took me
0: about 25 to 30 years (laughs) (laughs) to ever find out that information and yeah. yeah, You
1: know, there's so much that yeah, there's some pieces of information that are going to take 25 years for you to get. But if anybody is asking, give me wisdom on gesture and they
0: never get lessons from animators. There's yeah. really something missing in the, in the teaching. That's because animators are the ones who care deeply about Yeah. That. Let's talk about though creating your own deadlines.
1: My own deadlines. I had deadlines for myself. It was motivation, but it wasn't an arbitrary date that I picked. There was usually a reason for the deadline. Sometimes I was doing a project because I was doing it for some contest that I wanted to enter it into, mm-hmm. maybe I, I wanted to use it as a gift opportunity. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, my, mom, my mom's birthday is coming up, I want to, maybe I'll do a portrait of, of her or, or of our dog and I'll give it to her. Yeah. And there's a deadline. Yeah. There has to be actually a real deadline mm-hmm. where if it's not done by then, there are consequences. You mm-hmm. miss the competition. Yeah. Your mom's birthday pass and you, you don't have a present. Those are real, like getting prepared for a convention.
0: Yeah. I got to get my portfolio ready because I'm going to take to the Phoenix. I've got a booth at a convention, I've right. got to get ready for it. That I've got this book that I've got to get printed before the convention and yeah. I definitely
1: have a deadline on it. And those are for pros usually. Yeah. But students can also come up with reasons to have a deadline for something. Eddie Fitzgerald uh, is
0: a, an animator really creative, funny guy. He came and spoke to students a number of times. And one of the things he said was that you find some executive who there's a lot writing on it and you say, I have got the best pitch. I've got something for you. I'm going to present it to you next Tuesday. You're going to love this he didn't have anything ready but because that executive says yeah that means that he's got something and i i felt like no don't do that but he said he's come up with some of his best stuff that way but he's also lost a lot of sleep and pulled out a lot of hair over that too so but that's an example though of someone who is creating a deadline by making (laughs) a promise
1: and he's got to carry through with the promise i feel like it takes a specific person to do that kind of thing and i tell students (laughs) Would you ever do that? No. Yeah, it, I don't think
0: I would either. Here's why. I think you should lift weights because they create some trouble for you that you got to push against but you not, should not say, I'm going to lift up that 300 pound rock over my head because if it falls on you, it destroys you. That you that's, that's part of what school structure is about, to give you deadlines that are manageable. The deadlines for most classes, not all, I know some of them are deadly. But the deadlines for most classes in colleges are really liberal by comparison to what's going to happen in that industry. But that's the way it should be so that you've got some time to work out these moves.
1: Yeah, by the time you become a a pro, you're much faster at doing all those things that you were doing when you were a student. There's two ways to learn how to swim. One
0: is to throw yourself into shark-infested waters. And you will learn how to swim really rapidly. But you won't learn to swim well. The other is to have somebody take you through each... Move right. and name it, and then as you assimilate it, you move that way. You can move yeah. rapidly, speed it and up,
1: more. and slow it down. That's right. That's one of the topics from Mastery, remember? Right, Robert Green. Yes, each one has its
0: advantage. One gives you the macro, one gives you the micro. We're talking yeah. about scheduling, organizing resources, so that there's something that you can apply to your own schedule.
1: Yeah. Okay. There's one thing I recently came across. It was actually one of our uh, listeners. So someone on YouTube commented, and they posted a Reddit thing that they made, and it was a really well-developed curriculum for learning how to to draw anything you want. Mm-hmm. So he laid it out. He put all the topics that he thinks people should study in order and then for each one he provided all the resources online available that he thinks, well, not all, but the best ones he thinks you should focus on to learn that specific thing. Uh, what, what was his name? Alex Honeycutt. Alex Honeycutt? What a great yeah. name. <laughs> and his uh, Reddit name was Radio Runner. Radio Runner. We'll, we'll have a link to this Reddit post in the description. Yeah. I think yeah, I think he did a good job. He starts with my figure drawing course.
0: It's oh, the yes, first great. thing on
1: there. Great. Good. So I, I, like, would st- I would start there. I too. like, I'm in. <laughs> yeah. This guy
0: knows what he's talking about.
1: <laughs> does he have
0: my twelve dollar perspective course on there?
1: Ooh, he does. He does he? Well, that's I, wonderful. I know for sure he's got some Scott Robertson perspective stuff good. on there. He has modern day James good. perspective stuff on there about being a geek. I, modern day
0: James it takes so much time to do things moving around and he just he's, he's put so much in there. I really recommend him to yeah. students for the uh, the basic yeah. drawing stuff.
1: Oh he's got drawbox.com okay, yes. on there for perspective. So he knows the world of online resources.
0: Yes. And he's pointing people toward them yeah. so that you don't need you've got enough. You've got everything you
1: need. Yeah. Absolutely everything. And there's you way need. more yeah. he didn't put on there that you can keep researching right. and filling in, but it's a pretty good start. Yeah, good. Right under the figure drawing section, Perspective One, um, one of the recommended uh, videos is Introduction to Perspective, Marshall Vandruff.
0: Oh, well, wonderful. Good. Yeah. Let, me, let me mention something else because we talked about uh, college catalogs as an educational hack, a curriculum hack. That you collect college catalogs and you decide which, uh, you look at the different classes they're offering and you say, how could I design, you know, there is something exciting about looking at the title of a class. And saying, if I were designing that class for myself, what would my ideal teacher put in that class? And and you may not know but then you start to read the subtopics and you start to see that, that, that and that. Again, the excitement about this is that it's creative. You look at the title of a book, you look at the illustration of a book, you look at the table of contents, say I'm going to write my own thing. Now, here's why I mention it. If you want more detail than just the college catalog descriptions, which are often written in, in heavy academies, go to the syllabi if they're available. My syllabi are no secret, I mean anyone can get access to them, I even post them online at times on my, uh, on my blog, on my website and I even post some of the assignments that, uh, that I've done myself or that students have done to show it. But here is the thing about this, a good syllabi has the deadlines and the topics in the order And they can be used as a structure for yourself to say, look, these are going to be due, I'm just going to give myself that and if you do it with friends, we're going to give ourselves these deadlines and you've essentially hacked the school class. You're
1: now a hacker.
0: Yeah. (laughs) What you don't get, I mean, if you take my, my composition class syllabus or my genre class syllabus, I really like what I did with my genre class syllabus. I spent scores of hours boiling it down to the best that I could do for what these students uh, want to get out of that class, you take it and, and you you miss the lectures. You miss the thing that you would pay the school to sit in on those lectures. But again, you've got the structure. My biggest criticism of the structure of my own college classes is that I like to think in terms of one, twos, threes. Mm -hmm. The introduction, then that middle section and that final thing and try to make each one of them weave together, doesn't work well in colleges. You know why? Because the whole system of the semesters is uh, structured by midterms and finals. So we pretty much are forced into half and half. Still can work well but it means that the work that I do as a teacher that I spend a ton of time on is in the first half of the semester we will do this research. And in the second half of the semester, we will do this, write our own solution to what we were whining about and present some examples of what we can do and it still can work pretty well. But you know, if you're a student and you're creative, you have the option to write it in two parts, three parts, five parts or anything you want to. And the difficulties of school structure is that you've got a workout curriculum among all sorts of people, all sorts of conflicting interests, classroom availability, teacher availability so that by comparison of working it out in a college, it seems so easy if you say I'm working it out for myself or among a small circle of friends. Much easier to design your mm-hmm. own education if you are creative and if you're pursuing it as a project. Tell me
1: about Proco Challenge, what's that? We actually just recently launched our first Challenge on Instagram,
0: mm-hmm.
1: a mashup contest. So people had to combine their favorite video game character and superhero into one character, and it was judged by Carl Kopinski, Wacom gave a bunch of prizes out. Wow! Yeah, and two thousand people <laughs> submitted entries for this contest. Wow! I honestly was expecting maybe a hundred. Uh huh. Because we did run contests before, like several years ago in the Facebook groups uh-huh. for anatomy. We would give like anatomy challenges. And there'd be like five people that do the challenge. Yeah. In fact, th- just developing ProCo 2.0 over the past few years, mm-hmm. one of the biggest worries was like, do we have the community to develop this community website? And running that first challenge was like... I think we do.
0: What made the difference? Was it the Carl Kapinski and Wacom are. I
1: think it was several things. Definitely having Carl Kapinski as the judge helped because I mean, he drove a lot of people in there. Right. Um, Also, Instagram is just a lot better to promote that stuff. Uh It it just, there's so much more community engagement in there. It's way more fun. This challenge was like, do your own thing, it's a fun project. Whereas the anatomy one was, it was more of an assignment. It was a contest, but it was an assignment contest, and okay. not a fun project contest.
0: ProCo 2.0 will be better structure and give more people opportunities to plug into this structure.
1: And part of it is competition. Yeah. Part of it is it will be. It won't be at launch, but it will definitely. I mean, we're going to be doing competitions outside of ProCo 2.0 uh, regularly. Okay. And then eventually, it will be directly inside of ProCo 2.0.
0: Now, tell me, you have applied this design-your-own-training to your own projects, animation,
1: It's something I did all the time. I mean, that's why I mention it so much is like, just figure out how to do a project. Everything you're learning, make it fun for yourself. Is because to me, that was really important. I was always working on a personal project. Mm -hmm. There was never a time when I wasn't. In fact, sometimes I'd have multiple personal projects going on where I, I didn't have time for all of them. But I would choose the ones I was most excited about, mm-hmm. and if I lost interest in one, I I would just stop. You don't want to do that all the time, because then you develop a bad habit of not finishing things. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't a problem. One of them was when I was studying anatomy. One, I I tried to do a, a a series of illustrations. It was a three three part series where I would I was trying to represent life and death in the same illustration. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of a stupid idea but I was trying to be art scene stuff, you know, okay. mm-hmm. juxtaposition of life. I was like using words that like a, a museum would like, yeah. you know, well, juxtaposition of life and death. I like that. But anyway, <laughs> but, go ahead. But anyway, I was excited about it at the time. And so, the, my first one was like this half-skeleton, half-pregnant man thing. <laughs> That was really freaky, it but sounds interesting, but it was just a thing that just like f- spilled out of my face uh-huh. <laughs> and it was an opportunity to just put as much anatomy into it, right because it was yes. there was like no fat on it. You could see everything that was part one. The other one was like a a chicken mm-hmm. that has been decayed, but there's a bunch of eggs just spilling out of its rib cage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That was fun. That was like fine art stuff. That was that was really fun. And then another one. I don't. I don't know why this happened, but it was a guy injecting heroin, uh-huh. and he had a shirt off, and it was, yeah. it was a way to just like draw the torso. <laughs> you're a secret heroin addict. I don't know what happened. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> I, I never, I didn't really Yeah, but do drugs. who knows where the idea is if he's got
0: his arm and it's all in that position that it's yeah. in, you're going to be concerned with I
1: want this to look credible and so it motivates you to understand the yeah. anatomy. Yeah, and the life and death there was is like this guy who's living but he's killing himself mm-hmm. and that was just an idea and then I ran with it in and it was good practice. The, in the Stephen Bauman interview, you make a running gag about like a guy injecting heroin on the street <laughs>
0: and it just keeps popping up.
1: Really? Yeah. Well, look forward to that Stephen Bauman interview. <laughs> I was even coming up with my own projects like in high school mm-hmm. um, where I would take, I was taking animation class and you know, in the animation class the assignments would be a bouncing ball, a walk cycle, you know, basic animation stuff. but. I wanted to, I was really interested in animation and I wanted to make it fun for myself and so I started learning Maya and actually writing little short stories that I could animate. The only thing I really understood about animation at that point was like a bouncing ball. Mm -hmm. I was very new at it and so I did an animation on a a pool table, billiards, where the balls come to life and they start fighting with each other Mm -hmm. and they're like bouncing across the table. They become squishy all of a sudden, they're not Mm -hmm. hard anymore (laughs) because that's what I knew how to animate. And so, it was fun because at the time I I really wanted a billiards table. I just wanted to like play billiards and so, it was a subject that I was interested in. Kind of like Kim Jong-Gi talking about how as a kid he wanted a bicycle so he would just draw it a hundred times and that's how he learned how to draw bikes. And that animation ended up winning uh, contests, a mentor came out of it and it ended up on American Airline flights. Like, just great things can happen from you just being really into something and not caring if you're going to get credit for it. You're just really excited about it and you do it and you try to do the best you can and not just doing the bouncing ball assignment that your high school teacher assigns to you. Kurt Kurt Vonnegut is, was a really entertaining writer mm-hmm. and he taught
0: and he mentioned this to students at the beginning of a class, I'm not looking for people who want to be writers. I'm looking for people who are passionate, who care terribly about something. If you have a hell of a lot on your mind, the language will arrive, the right words will arrive, the paragraphing will be right. Now, that's not entirely true, you do have to get training and craft but his point is people say, I want to be a writer, I want to be an artist. At some point you say, why? What is it that you want to get into this? Oh, I just love the process of drawing or just I've got ideas for characters in my mind. Uh, I've got uh, stories that I want to tell and I want to show them. Yeah. I just like messing with cameras. Those are things that come out of passion and if you can match those to what your training is then you've got it but what you're talking about is self motivation it's enthusiasm it's the the love of of the project the love of the craft yeah the excitement to see what it is you're going to do with this yeah that is as valuable as anything a student can have that if you really have it in you to be an artist to be a storyteller to get your craft you will find what you need to do it. Now, the structure part and the reducing friction, trying to get structure, trying to develop a structure and a schedule that keeps you to it.
1: Uh, One more thing about the creating your own projects. Notice that I I animated balls. Mm -hmm. It was something that I could do at the time with the skills because you just mentioned that you know, you do need to still learn the skills, the craft. There are projects you can do with the very basic fundamental things that you can learn within the first six months of starting to draw or starting to animate or whatever it is and you can make something great just out of those fundamentals. Yes, I did that in high school, all it is is are bouncing balls. A principle that takes you a few days to learn and now you make a story out of it. And then all the um, Maya stuff, the program that I learned, that was available on the internet back then. That was, Mm -hmm. Jesus, how long ago was that? I was able to get enough to be able to model a, game, a, a billiards table and texture it, rig the balls to have faces and expressions. It really wasn't that much to learn. Yeah, it was. An, it was all things that I could learn within a semester of high school, and f- finish the whole thing in you know four, five, six months or something. Yeah.
0: That makes me think of a class that I taught several semesters of uh, called Fundamentals of Story and it was for freshmen. These are people right out of high school but we've got four months and it was for animation majors. Mm -hmm. Now, it was not an animation project. This was designed to be you at midterm, you do a 30-second, no, no, it was a one minute silent video, live action but it has to be silent and the final is a three minute live action not animated video and it has to have dialogue in it and it can have music and so you have got to sync up everything. Now here's what you get out of it technically, you learn to shoot in 24p not 30, you learn to shoot on your smartphone but you can also check out cameras to so where you can do it more professionally, you have to edit them in Premiere, not an iMovie or anything because you have got to get familiar with Premiere and you've got to do that by midterm and by final and meet all the specs. Really big job for freshmen, but they they can learn to do that in four months, okay? Now, the 30 second silent one and the three-minute one with sound can be anything you want to do as long as it's not animated. Why? Because you're an animation major and there are two things that come, can, come out of it. One is you'll say, I am so glad I'm an animation major because I didn't know how hard it was going to be to deal with all of these things at live action where you don't have control over it. Or you decide, why be an animation major? I want to make, a, make films that are live action because I love this. But you've got that in your freshman year. That's cool. But that one-minute silent and that three-minute with sound some students did work good enough to where you'd almost employ them after their freshman year because they, sh- they proved themselves able to come up with an idea to carry it through the difficulties of managing multiple schedules so that we've got several people in front of the camera and they've all got busy schedules and we've got to get together and we've got to keep the light consistent so we got it all done one at a time. All of that planning that goes into live action, they were learning that stuff. So, if they pulled off the minute and the three minutes That semester was invested technically and socially and creatively. And it was something that uh, I tell them at the beginning of the semester, look, this is a class where if you meet the technical specs, you're doing a project that you would want to do anyway, only you're doing it now to where you're preparing yourself to get professionally ready to do it. So, here's one of the limitations of self-training. I'm immersed in a Elizabeth Gilbert book that is fascinating. She's got a character in there, Henry Whittaker, who does one thing after another, after another, after another where he succeeds and then he makes a mistake that blows it for him. And part of what this character did is that he spent a lot of time alone in forests and in jungles and alone on his own where your imagination gets inflamed about what kind of people will uh, what kind of responses you'll get from people without getting real feedback so you start to have Mm -hmm. arguments and conversations in your mind and you write the script for how your employer will respond and then when you present that to your employer and they respond completely differently part of it is because you got no feedback from anyone and carried it through in fantasy rather than in reality this is one of the limitations of self-training is that you think you're doing well and you don't know that you aren't and it is why mentorship yeah, is important. That's it's what why I to say, it, are you setting it up for the
1: next few episodes? I'm trying to do that. that <laughs> okay. One
0: of the things that you've got to have is regular feedback and that's what we're going to do next
1: mentorship. Yeah, next episode. Which mentorship. relates to community. And that's the one afterwards or okay. we might combine them, we yeah, don't we'll, know yet. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how long they take. Well, I hope you got enough to know
0: that it's your responsibility to take this, if you are saying I'm doing art school (laughs) as project, I'm doing a year to five to six of designing my own education to turn it into structure, to turn it into deadlines, to turn it into assignments and projects, to get it on your calendar. And then the next thing is to not do it alone, to have other people that are fellow travelers or people you push up against, which we may at some point mention that, to say, if I do this project that if I were doing it professionally, I'd get two or three thousand dollars for this, would you give me two dollars for it? Would you what? give me twenty dollars for it? To have a peer or someone else say, I want you to say that this is good enough to where you say part with, part with ten bucks for it. Yeah. And that way you're creating a structure. That's what okay. I did with clients. It's like I did my first few jobs, I way underpriced them. I had somebody expecting it and then they will accept it or not accept it. But that's part of this dynamic of creating your own structure. It has to include other people.
1: That's why we're moving to mentorship and community. Okay. Okay. Well, we're done with structure. Yep. Tune in next time for mentorship. Okay. Hope All right, this guys. was useful. Thank you for watching slash listening. Give us yeah. those TikToks. Give us those lights, hearts. Likes. Likes. Give us likes. those likes, oh, oh, likes. hearts yeah, yeah. and TikToks.
0: Give us those lights, likes. likes. <laughs> <laughs> Give us those likes, hearts, and TikToks. Yes. Okay, we're talking about art school as project that if you are not going to art... Okay, we're talking about art school as project that you if you are not going to go to art school, we need knowledge to do that, we need... <laughs> we need knowledge, we need... Structure. <laughs>
1: that's you just we said. did
0: pros and cons. We need, yeah, we did pros and cons of art school that we need knowledge. Knowledge is easy to get, but Jesus we need to structure it. You need to have some deadlines to kick up against. That's, oh, stop, stop. That's what this episode oh, is going
1: to be about. We're going to continue off. No, we're going to continue. <laughs> we're going to continue our series on. Teaching you guys. Yes. <laughs> no! <laughs> no!